Hey everyone, I'm Gaston. And I'm Frank. And we're here on The Bubble talking about magic, community, and lifestyle. And this week, we have a recurring guest, Mr. Gold Level Pro Corey Burkhardt is on this show. Corey, hello. Hey guys, how you doing? Doing fantastic. Great. Welcome how back to doing? the show. Thank you very much for having me. I can't wait. So for those of you who may not remember Corey, uh, Corey, you know, I, I'll introduce you to Gold Level Pro. Is there anything else that people need to know about you in particular? You're, you're with Team Ultra Pro right now. Is that right? Yep, yep. with Team Ultra Pro. Uh, we're battling a million Kaladesh games a night, just trying to figure things out, getting ready for Pro Tour Honolulu. Are you pre-releasing this weekend? I will be. Wherever you guys want me to pre-release, that's where I'll be pre-releasing. Yeah. See, I don't even know where I'm pre-releasing tomorrow, so we'll figure it out after yeah. the show. But one of the, you know, we're actually not talking about Kaladesh or Ultra Pro or Standard right now. We're bringing it back a little bit, and we're going to talk about everybody's favorite and least favorite love child, whatever it is to you. I'm cringing right now. The modern format. <laughs> and the reason we're talking about modern, for me and Gaston, we're scrubs and we're not gold level pros, so we're still playing in PPTQs. And we just kind of had a revelation on the car ride back from an event. Well, it's a revelation. It was stemmed by our previous episode where Tom LaPelli was on the show, and he was talking about standard and power level there. And we really started delving into the fundamentals of modern and whether or not they're still upheld, uh, upholding itself, whether or not the format is even functional, and why is it that it always needs to be checked by bands? And it, are the bands enough? Are they not enough? There's, what, what, what exactly is modern trying to do, and is it doing it well, is the question that is on our minds. And for that answer, we brought on someone more experienced than us, to try to figure it out with us. So, Corey, my first question to you is, and we were talking about this before the show started, talk to me, what, what do you think modern should be? Like, what's the perfect idea of, like, modern? So, I guess the question more is not what should modern be, more as what does Wizards want modern to be? You can make the format whatever you want. They have all these cards that are out. You know, you have 23, I think it is, years, maybe 24 years now of Magic cards. Yeah. You can make the format whatever you want it to be, but once you come up with what it is, once you design the format, which they've now called modern, which is 8th edition forward, you need to design within those parameters and develop the format to what you think it should become. Mm -hmm. um, and that being said, they've sort of set out these rules for us that they want the format to live by that occasionally it does, but let's be honest, many times it Most doesn't. Most of the time it is not. Yeah. I mean, let, let's define these rules, because I agree that they exist. I hear you. So the first one that people always talk about is the turn four, right? Turn four rule. I um, actually think you should like, you even go back further, is that you want a relatively eternal format that doesn't rotate stuff out of it. That seems to be kind of the key. Sure, yeah, we can start there. The base of an eternal format is a format where as cards come in, they just join the format right away. So when Kaladesh comes out next, uh, what was it, next week? Next week, mm -hmm. the cards will just join us right into modern. Uh, but being eternal, what that means is the cards that they determine the arbitrary line where they start being legal, 8th edition, the new border, those cards are legal forever. The only way you rotate out of the format is by being banned or the design of the format changes. The reason for this is they want people to f uh, find cards they can collect that sort of uphold the new templating, the new styles, the new rule sets of Magic, and move forward from there. So things are much more familiar for players. Uh, they're much more user-friendly. And you have these cards that retain their value much more vividly than something like playing in Legacy, where 
sure, there's a ton of cards that matter relative to what there are in modern, but there's also a bunch of modern cards that when you try to port them over to legacy or vintage, they just don't do anything. They're just not powerful enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's so in that, between. It's in between between standard and, and legacy. Too. Exactly. If you're a standard player, when your cards rotate out, the format they're going to push you towards is modern. You've sort of picked up a bunch of cards. Hey, they're rotating out, but maybe you can build a modern deck with some of those. Yeah. So, so again, well, let's go back to the rules that we're discussing and, yeah. and kind of try to figure out what the hypothetical of like what a good modern deck should look like, right? Because we you know we, we we started with turn four, and then is that kind of just the speed rule? Because when Tom was on the show, we started talking about the with the question the of speed, speed of the format, right? Yeah. And a, a speed kind of defines what cards can and cannot see play. Because if well, we're the- saying that Goblin Guide and Lightning Bolt are in the format. This is a fast format, right? You you can't dirtle and play cards like Sun Titan, etc. Um, so where does that lead us? Well, do we want to go into the turn four rule yeah, really quickly go. and explain yeah, what it is? Let's go into the turn four. Okay, so the turn four rule is not a hard and fast rule, so to speak, but it's sort of these air quotes, hand wavy, like this is the goal of the format. And the turn four rule basically says, in a game of modern you can expect the game to go four turns on the player that takes the first turn of the game. If they kill you on turn four, it's a perfectly fair game of modern. Now that may sound scary in the upfront, but if you've played against burn infect affinity, um, these sort of tier one style, very linear decks, they can pretty consistently kill you on the fourth turn of the game. When something starts getting into the sort of, you know, this is unfair. This is unfun range are the decks that have the capability of killing you on the second or the third turn of the game. Those are when Wizards are going to draw the line on putting bans on certain cards. Um, Early on in the format, we saw the loss of Blazing Shoal. Blazing Shoal enabled a bunch of turn three kills through Blighted Agent and Inkmoth Nexus by pitching cards like Dragonstorm and Progenitus. Um, We had Seething Song later on, which kind of let Storm turn two people a lot also. Exactly. And I would argue that there's some cards that currently exist that strongly violate this rule. I think... As we go further into our I don't discussion even think tonight, you need to argue. Like, yeah, there, there are definitely exist. cards that <laughs> enable people to turn like, to you. Yeah, I, I, I'm playing online all the time. I'm playing at Nauseam there. Not only do I turn three people a lot, but like I get turned three to turn two to a lot of the times, and I'm just like, was that a game of Magic that I just played, or was that just a complete violation of what Magic the Gathering is? To be fair, you're playing at Nauseam. Do you believe that you deserve the no. turn four rule I mean, to be upheld? <laughs> I think his his, his playing ad nauseum is a nod to the if you can't beat them, join them. Exactly. Because for years, Gaston would play nothing but blue-white-red control, and then he realized that... The deck's utter garbage now in this it, state. Because of Modern's existence... So then that's kind of what we wanted to gravitate towards again, because right now, especially after the banning of Birthing Pod and, you know, and namely Splinter Twin, which were kind of holding the format together in terms of having two decks that you could point to as, like, these are the pillars of the format, they're the gatekeepers. Like, with those gone, we've just seen just, you know, outside of the Eldrazi episode, we've seen, like, just linear decks come out of nowhere, and now it's become a format of how can I kill you fastest without interacting with you possibly? Is that wrong for me to say that? No, I, I I mean, I'm a Grixis player. I've done a lot of my work in terms of modern Grand Prix with Grixis control and various forms of that. But when it came time to pick a deck of, what was it, last month for uh, Grand Prix in Indianapolis, I actually gave up on Grixis fairly early on in testing, about two weeks out before the tournament. 
I actually told myself I can't play Grixis. This deck just doesn't have the chops anymore. Man, that's, that's so tough for you. Like I was gonna say, like, was that just like were there tears involved? No, there wasn't crying. There was just more frustrations going. I can't believe this is the day I'm giving up on this. Wait, uh, for those I mean, of you out there who don't know, Corey hasn't just updated two Grand Prix in the same season with Grixis. He's the only person in the history of Magic to top eight modern <laughs> with Grixis control. Yeah. Am I really the only one? You You're are the, the only, only human one. being. Yes. To have made no the one top else has top eighted with Grixis control. With All right. Black, blue, and red cards. <laughs> All right, well, that, that felt pretty good. I didn't actually know that was the case. So that, <laughs> ma that makes me happy. Um, but yeah, like I have two 12 and three finishes and two 13 and two or better finishes with Grixis. I mean, these are like, you know, your Lightning Bolt, Inquisition, Snapcaster Mage style decks. Sometimes Jace. Sometimes Jace Friends Prodigy, sometimes Cryptic Command, sometimes Abbot of Carol Keep. Main deck negate, you know, all the all the good stuff. But always Colagon's command. But anyway, we're getting a little off, off topic, but yeah, keep going. Right, so the sort of problem with playing these Grixis, Jeskai, Jund, Junk, uh, Abzan, excuse me, style of decks are that you have to answer all these different things that are going on in the format, and because of the speed of the format, you have to do it at such a, an efficient rate. So there's sort of cards that I call the glue of the format that sort of hold the things together. And I think a lot of this comes from the idea of if you're going to play one of these sort of two or three color mid-range decks, you have to be willing to interact with your opponent. Mm -hmm. And to interact with your opponent, you need to be doing it at as an efficient rate, if not better than the rate they're doing it at. Which basically means one mana or less. Correct. You need to be, if people are willing to spend one mana on cards that are going to kill you, i.e. Goblin Guide, Death Shadow, um for lack of a better word, most of the affinity cards actually cost one mana. Arcbound Ravager and Cranial Plating being the scariest, they cost two, but a lot of their cards actually have the ability to generate them an additional mana where they shouldn't be able to earn a mana. Mm -hmm. um, you need to be interacting with one mana cards. So Lightning Bolt, Path to Exile, Thoughtseize, Inquisition of Kozilek, uh, Mana Acceleration, i.e. Birds of Paradise and Noble Hierarch. I mean, these are sort of the glue pieces of the format that allow you to either do your thing that is not considered quote-unquote unfair or you need to be fighting what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and that sort of spirals the format into this downward pressure that you sort of see in standard pretty frequently, which is what are the best threats? Now, what are the best answers to answer those threats? I'll go back and say like the Siege Rhino days. There were usually three and four mana threats. It was Anafenza, Gideon, Siege Rhino. You did not want to play three mana removal to answer those threats. Right. Hero's Downfall was a fantastic card, but if you were Hero's Downfalling in Anafenza, you were just trading even on resources. What needed to be happening is you needed to be ahead on the board for that Hero's Downfall to be acquiring you any sort of value. Right. What you needed to be doing was spending two mana on something like Valorous Stance to be answering those things. You had to pay conditional costs to get that benefit. And that's why see... cards like Murderous Cut ended up being so good. Exactly. And we see that sort of with the cards that hold the format together in Modern, where you have Inquisition and Thoughtseize. They're very good when the board states at parity and very early on in the game when most of the resources are still in both players' hands. Uh, Lightning Bolt, very good against small creatures. If you make a larger creature, it's going to become way less efficient. Path to Exile, great later in the game when people have a bunch of mana, but if you have to pass something on turn one, it's a travesty. You're giving somebody the access to three mana on their second turn. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking about the format as a turn four format. You're just giving somebody one step closer to being able to use four mana to do some degenerate thing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, the sort of problem we're having there is your glue of the format costs the same amount of mana as the degenerate threats of the format. And right. in some cases, we're talking about one mana spells. These spells cost more mana than the things that people are killing you with. Right, so let's get into the idea of unfair decks. And because of the fair decks not really being able to play some of the, quote, unfair cards, which obviously we can take some time and define, your answers to the unfair threats are always going to cost more mana than the unfair threats themselves, which means it just kind of becomes a losing proposition to fight the unfair decks. Would you say that that's kind of where it, where it evolves to? Yeah, I, I very much agree. Yeah, so then, like, at a certain point, like, let's let's just say, like, what do you think are some of, like, examples of the unfair unfair cards? To me, it kind of starts with cheating the mana curve, things that actually don't cost you mana, but do things that probably should cost you mana. I, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly. I think that's the best place to start. One of the core fundamental systems of magic is that your spells cost mana. If you're going to cast a lightning bolt, it's going to cost you a single red mana to cast. That's just always the case. If you cheat that rule in some way and say this lightning bolt costs me zero mana, that zero mana lightning bolt is, in most cases, strictly better than your red lightning bolt. Mm -hmm. If you can make your spells cost less mana, then you're sort of just cheating the game system and saying, no, I'm not going to pay for this spell. I'm just going to do whatever I want whenever I want. Cards that we have that are sort of running around doing that, you know, actively in the wild right now, we have Mox Opal. Mox Opal is one of the cards that sort of skirts the line of it could be banned in the current format right now. And that's before we're even having this discussion of, okay, is modern out of control? Is it literally just the wild west of magic? Uh, Another one is Lotus Bloom. Lotus Bloom, for whatever reason, is still legal. (laughs) I I don't know if everyone's asked a black lotus before i don't know if you've ever gotten to play cube draft <laughs> think, think about gilded lotus that's five mana to tap for three mana of any color right you get to you get to use that every turn that is one of the most fantastic cards you can have in cube if you've yeah. ever gotten to play that card in limited it's one of the most fantastic limited cards in slower formats now imagine putting that card into the battlefield on turn one in vintage black lotus the card's <laughs> just completely and utterly messed up yeah. At least in modern, we make you spend three turns, so it follows the turn four rule. The, the problem is, is yeah, there's the turn four rule. I can fight you with Thought Season Inquisition, and I'm killing your creatures, and maybe I'm blowing up your artifacts or you know, countering your spells. Lotus Bloom is just like, yeah, whatever, you blew up my lands, okay, kill you. Mm-hmm. It does, it, for one card, it just does what three cards worth of value can do. It's just a card that I don't believe should exist. So should we take that a step further and say, like, well, any card, any cards that, I mean, this is my opinion, but obviously I I feel like you're probably going to agree, but cards that Phyrexian mana, for instance, or things like Simeon Spirit Guide that generate mana, or basically, in the case of Phyrexian mana, they're not generating mana, but they're costing zero mana to do things that are supposed to cost mana. Absolutely. Another one of the things is cards should cost mana. Simeon Spirit Guide is very similar to Mox Opal and Lotus Bloom. I have that on the list of these are just cards that I actively believe should be banned. I think they subvert the rules of just how magic should function on a functional level. I think they're perfectly fine cards to print in standard occasionally. I think they're sweet designs. But I think what they do in terms of power and warping formats, I mean, we've seen Simeon Spirit Guide in at least five different decks at this point, if you count 
ad nauseum. Um, it's the land deck with probably the Lotus, the Lotus Bloom amulet deck. Yeah, amulet uh, Bloom, Living yeah. End plays it. The Red White Prison decks play it. I've seen it in Storm before. Heck, Eldrazi. I've played it. I've seen yeah, Eldrazi, Eldrazi played it at the Pro Tour. Like through when, the breach plays it. When yeah, your but... fair deck that is like trying to put four and five mana creatures onto the battlefield is playing a red Lotus Petal that doesn't add to the storm count. I mean, that's just not okay. So but you brought up the the Phyrexian mana cards. Like, mm -hmm. if I were to ban cards from the format, I mean, I would add, you know, Gitaxian Probe, Gutshot, Mutagenic Growth, Dismember, Apostles Blessing. Yeah, all of them. Uh, yeah, I mean, these are cards that violate the color pie and also just Mutagenic Growth, Probe, and Gutshot in particular. Well, well, Gutshot is nowhere near, you know, a playable power level card for Modern. It just subverts the rule of cards should cost mana. You should have to pay for your cards. Mm -hmm. So I have a question. Before we start getting into the notion of like what needs to leave the format, I want to play devil's advocate here and kind of suggest an alternative because we still haven't really defined what the ideal modern should look like. We've kind of talked about what the rules have been placed and mm -hmm. we've established that those rules like haven't been met. You know what I mean? Like I feel like what we've done so yeah. far, we've established modern by Wizards was meant to be this thing. Mm -hmm. Right now it's not doing that thing. Mm -hmm. But we haven't really talked about what modern should be. And right. I think... If we are going to stick the stat to be like, all right, well, ban, 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 ban all these things. First, we need to decide what is the goal of all these bans. Like, what is the format that they're trying to create? Because some people could argue that having linear decks go up against each other might be fine to have a format as a format. I mean, I think that that probably is fine. But I think the format for that is Legacy, where you have more powerful cards that can actually also fight unfair. Things like Days and things like Force of Will. That you also have not free answers to fight the, you know, completely not free other things that people do. I can't even, like, name all the unfair sure, things Sure, so are we saying that... So maybe you're saying that... Not that everything should be viable, both if you're trying to be a degenerate combo, but if you're trying to be control, if you're trying to be aggro, like you want to create a world where all of these things are a possibility. To, to me, basically, if, if we're saying that a world where linear decks are okay, then we have that world already. But I think if you want to design something new, where they define it as the turn four format, but like, like you said, if we're, I actually think that what I would want to see in a modern format, and maybe Wizards doesn't feel that way, I would want to see a game where both players have choices to make meaningful interactions with each other. They don't always have to, but they have the option to. And there can be some kind of equity between proactive and reactive cards. Um, that's kind of what I would envision modern to be. I mean, to me, it kind of sounds like what we're hinting at is the fact, you know, and Corey was talking about this with how answers are more expensive than threats and for that it, it's like illogical to play threats for that reason it's it to me it sounds like we're getting at the point where like the problem isn't that some strategies are linear the problem is that so, the linear strategies at the moment are just they're way all more better. effective they're way more effective at doing their thing than the other archetypes that generally exist in magic i don't know Corey. what do you think so for me i actually don't believe that the linear decks are the problems i believe that they help exemplify the problem the unfair decks bring but i don't believe that they themselves are actually the problem like i don't believe that actually affinity and infect and burn are sort of the quote-unquote problems of modern mm -hmm. i believe that they're actually just the benefactors i think the moreover sort of problems with the format are again the cards that cheat mana so your simian spirit guides your mox opals 
and then your cards that just plain out end the game in a fashion that is just, I would say, quote unquote, unfair. So cards that fall into this nature for me are uh, your prized amalgams uh, slash dredges cards that just sort of don't, don't interact with the game in a normal way uh, mm-hmm. that force, force you to actually play their game. Gorio's Vengeance, which is a two mana usually kill target player. It usually just has <laughs> suspend X where X is. How long does it take me to put another Emrakul or Gristlebrand into my graveyard if I didn't already kill you? Uh, Valakut. This is one that they actually unbanned a while back, if you remember, that I personally am very surprised came back. Yeah, I actually I, had not started playing Modern until Valakut was unbanned, so I haven't lived in a Modern where Valakut was actually banned. Yeah, it's actually interesting where Valakut existed, then was banned, now is back. I think that sort of points us in the direction of what they're looking for in Modern, which is much more an explorative find what is your favorite deck. And I think that's a perfectly reasonable format for it to be. And if that's what they want the format to be, I believe there should be more cards unbanned. Um, I think that's one approach to it. But I think the approach that the three of us are sort of in line with is, well, you sort of stated these rules to us. It's perfectly fine if you want to change the statement of the rules. But... If you're going to do, if you're not going to do that, you need to ban a bunch of cards to make these rules in the reality. Mm-hmm. Like right, like we saw the Valakut unbanning, but well, why the hell is Valakut unbanned? It just sort of does its thing in its own axis. Yes, it's not killing anybody on turn three. It follows that rule of the format, but it's not following the rule of the format of it needs to be interactable in a sensible way. What's my sensible way of interacting with this Valakut? Yeah, basically make them discard in surgical extraction it or crumble to dust it or something else that's very obscure and not likely to be in a main deck of any deck in the format. Well, I mean, sure. you're bringing up a good point, though, which is the, the notion of um, counterplay. Correct. So in our definition yeah. of a healthy modern format, we are then... Sp- I, I'm, I'm creating a list for us of what we're defining... I think counterplay definitely should go on the list. I don't think every deck should have to counterplay, but I think everything that is done in the format should have some element of counterplay to it. Yeah. Right. I I certainly believe that all these decks do have an element of counterplay to them, but I think to actually interact with these decks in a sort of reasonable fashion, Mm -hmm. you have to be doing something nearly equally as unfair. So let's say reasonable counterplay is a better way of saying like, right. I, I, I believe that there is reasonable counterplay to the linear decks. Like, this is why I don't believe that they are fundamentally the problem sure. of the format. Mm-hmm. Like, I believe that there are ways if you want to beat Affinity, you can beat Affinity. Put some right. Ancient Grudges in your deck. Put some one-mana removal in your deck for the key pieces. Put some, you know, Anger of the Gods, Damnation, Wrath of God, s- sort of cards of this powerful nature that answer all of their creatures. Those are cards that you can put in for other decks. But if you literally just want to beat Infinity, you put Ancient Grudge in your deck. You put Shatterstorm in your deck. You put Fracturing Gust in your deck. If you want to beat Boggles, you put Back to Nature in your deck. Um, if you want to beat Infect, you put Spellskite in your deck. Like, there are cards that you put into your deck that really shut these archetypes down. They don't put the nail in the coffin. They don't say, play this card, win the game, the game ends. But they do severe damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's sort of why I don't believe that the linear decks are the problem, where you can just sort of answer them in one card. The decks that are more of a problem are the ones that you actually need to interact with them on multiple axes. Um, sort of in this list, I guess, is Tron, Valakut. Uh, Cloudpost was originally here until Cloudpost left. 
uh, would you say ad nauseum is another one that you would consider? Yes. Ad nauseum is another one of these decks that I think is severely underplayed relative to its power level. Um, it might just be that it's just worse than playing these linear decks because it just goes off too infrequently on turn three and turn four. Uh, but I believe it's another one of these decks that sort of falls into this. Uh, Dredge, I think, is one that skirts the line between, you know, your linear unfair deck and just completely unfair deck because it does get shut down pretty pretty hard by something like Leyline of the Void. Um, so do you, you actually are okay with the Silver Nature bullet on, of of modern because i know a lot of people say that modern because there are so many viable very linear decks a lot of the times the decks that don't want to be linear don't have the space in their main deck slash sideboard to play these kind of like almost like these these silver bullets that actually shut down entire decks so i am from the standpoint of looking at the bands that wizards and the dci have made to the format of late they unbanned Ancestral Visions. They're willing to give us the ability to say, hey, we thought this was on an unfair power level. We've thought about it. You know what? Drawing three cards for one mana is perfectly fine. You just have to wait for it. You have to earn it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they unbanned Valakut. Hey, this isn't killing anybody on turn four. This is going to enable a, enable a powerful ramp deck. If you want to be playing a powerful ramp deck that's not totally revolved around having three non-basic lands in play to form the, the Urzistron, you can do that. They're allowing these very powerful cards and very powerful archetypes to exist. I think if they want to do it in that way, like I said, I think this is a completely great way to take the format. I think you need to go a step further. I don't, I don't think that things like uh, Deathrite Shaman, Bloodbraid Elf, I don't believe that these cards need to be on the ban list. Yeah, so that's I, interesting because Deathrite Shaman and Bloodbraid Elf are fair cards that were banned on power level, not based on design flaws. So... Yeah, that is kind of interesting. Well, I, I made the statement the other week where I was just like, I don't even think Jace the Mind Sculpture would be good right now. I don't think it would be played in a single deck in the format if Jace the Mind Sculpture was unbanned tomorrow. Okay, I think that's an over-exaggeration. <laughs> I, I, guarantee I didn't say it would be unplayed. But I, I guarantee just... you Jace will get played. All right, hang on. Let me rephrase that. It will get played. I don't think it would be able to top eight a Grand Prix. Uh... I wish I could take that bet. The problem is, A, I don't know if I'm legally allowed to enter a Magic tournament and have that bet, so I won't make that <laughs> And B, I would guarantee you Patrick Chapin and I would be busting our balls and <laughs> Jace as, you know, getting right back where he should be in the spotlight. Yeah. I, the I reason believe- I say that is because of the the same issue, all the decks that, I mean, there's sure there might be new decks that, or new archetypes that Jace goes into that just aren't played right now because they need a card like Jace the Mind Sculptor. But of all the linear decks they were talking about and all the unfair decks, they like some of them kill you. They kill you, you before Jace the Mind Sculptor the does Mind anything. Sculptor yeah, they they either kill you before Jace does anything, or they interact in an axis that doesn't care about Jace the Mind Sculptor. So, do we want to go down a tangent really quickly about this Jace the Mind Sculptor? You know, take it. Take sure, it. Like, yeah. I'll okay. you for a two-minute tangent, but let's go for it. Sure. So, in the world that Jace the Mind Sculptor is unbanned, what does it actually bring to some sort of blue control deck? It See, brings I don't a very, know. It brings a very consistent finisher. It brings a consistent form of card advantage. brings another form of interaction. And it sort of fundamentally brings together of what does a core game plan look like for these blue control decks. Okay. Uh, what currently is a flaw for 
the sort of Jeskai Burn slash Jeskai Nahiri decks is you have to put all of these sort of cards together into your deck that are answering problems and then use those answers to problems to then win the game. Jace subverts all of that by just saying, no, just play Jace the Mind Sculptor and win the game. But like you're saying, you just die before you play Jace. I think people would fundamentally build their blue control decks differently. I think the blue control decks would start having cards like Disrupting Shoal in them. Not only would they have, like, one Disrupting Shoal, I think Disrupting Shoal would just become a four of. I actually have seen some blue tempo decks play four Disrupting Shoals, uh, which is interesting that you say that. Yeah, I, I think you would actually build your deck much more in the vein of, I'm trying to play similarly to a blue-white Miracles deck in Legacy or a sort of going big Delver deck in Legacy. I guess the best correlation would be sort of like a Shardless Agent deck, mm -hmm. but rather than trying to use stuff like Cascade or Termogoyf to start a fight them, you'd be using your Thought Seizes and blue cards to disrupt your opponent, have one threat on the board that is causing you problems before you can enter, you know, end step, do a couple of spells to try to get back tempo on the board, play Jace, brainstorm, Next turn, brainstorm, play like damnation. You would be built much more in the facet of you have a clear game plan rather than these Jeskai and Grixis decks that are very, very much adapting on the fly and completely switching their game plan whether or not they're on the play or the draw, let alone the matchup. Mm -hmm. Okay, that I think makes I see sense. what you're saying. That that's what sense. that's what Jace brings. The reasons why Jace are banned is because of a power level concern and because of just the miserable feeling of getting fate sealed five turns in a row. Yeah, that so is that's, that is another thing, is that Wizards has made it very clear that, and this is going back to an episode we had a few weeks ago with Tom Lapilli talking about the feeling of knowing that you were going to lose, not being able to do anything about it, but your opponent also not being able to kill you is awful. Correct. Yeah. It's very much why you see many of the Planeswalker Ultimates in Standard. They're very well designed to kill you. They, they don't read the literal words, you win the game, but they sort of read the words, you win the game. Yeah. They, they just do it in very flavorful ways that are going to kill the opponent. They don't want it to be a thing where the opponent sits there, can't actually kill you, and just does this thing for 10 turns, and eventually you get ground out by card advantage. Mm -hmm. That is a fine play pattern to happen once in a blue moon. It's not okay if it's the regular. Jace the Mind Sculptor would make that the regular. I don't believe that it would be okay in that sort of a sense of what is the play pattern of Jace. Mm -hmm. Whether or not Jace would be fine in how it actually fundamentally changes the format, I believe that is a question that we can have. I don't think it's something we'll ever see All on right. the end. So I wanted to go back to a little bit before kind of what got us started on that tangent. There are cards banned in Modern based on power level, and then there are cards banned in Modern based on violating the rules of the format, and then there are some cards in Modern that are banned on the idea that they violate the rules of Magic, but it seems like those three different things are kind of inconsistent between what is banned and isn't banned. Does that make sense to both of you? I don't know if you have thoughts on that. To me, you just said that there's inconsistencies in the cards that are on the ban list versus the cards that are still in the format. Yeah, but also that are banned for different... Like, we were talking about Deathrite Shaman and Bloodbraid Elf that are being banned on power level. Um, whereas, for example, Golgari Grave Troll, for a while, when it was banned, it was banned on power level, but it was also banned because it did something fundamentally that most decks in Modern can't interact with, right? Correct. Yeah. Sure. 
So what are you suggesting? You're, are you so I'm suggesting to look that at cards in the format? I, I think that cards, if if maybe I'm saying that I think it is good that some cards are banned on power level. I think there are too many cards that are banned on power level alone, and less about violating the rules of Magic slash violating the rules of Modern. That's what I'm suggesting. So I think this is one of the cores of the point I was making earlier are you need to take a stand and plant the flag where we're going to have all of the really powerful cards be legal and we're going to lift this quote-unquote turn four rule or you need to stick firm to the turn four rule and be much more aggressive about the ban list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe that th- those are the two worlds you can live in and I believe right now we're sort of skirting the lines on both of them and it causes frustration in players that are very enfranchised like like all three of us that actively want to or need to play this format. And we sort of understand that wizards have said, Hey, these are the rules of the format. And then we go play and the rules of the format are not being upheld at all. Right. And I actually, I just want to go full disclosure. I've been playing, uh, basically three different decks during this, this modern season. I've been playing Jund, Abzand or blue moon. Um, you, a lot of people will hate me for saying I've played Blue Moon because it also kind of does something that some people call unfair, which is playing Blood Moon in a main deck. But anyway, um, I generally want to play interactive magic. And most of the time, I can do that. But sometimes, because of the nature of the free spells and the unfair cards, I can't do that. And I guess maybe I should be okay with that, but it it does violate what I assume is what Wizards wants for Magic, whereas I can die to a Blighted Agent on turn three after someone went Noble Hierarch on turn one, or I can die to Affinity on turn three if I just don't have a Lightning Bolt or an Inquisition, and, and very similar things like that. What are you getting at with this point? I am getting that I'm agreeing with Corey in that oh. basically <laughs> that... Either the format can be a turn four format, or you have to say, okay, we're we're saying these mechanics cannot exist in this format. Got it. <laughs> it was an anecdote to agree with Corey. Yeah, yeah, Love yeah. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay, okay. So it sounds like we're all in agreement that the turn four rule can be sustainable for the format. The question is, how do we actually make that a reality? So that brings us to our next topic, which is, what needs to leave the format in order for that to be a world where where we can healthily live. Like, if, if bans are the way to fix the format, then what genuinely needs to be banned that's more than just one or two cards here or there? I want to hear, I want to hear Corey. Yeah, I know, Corey, you have, like, a strong opinion on what needs to get out of here. Yes, so I, I have a strong opinion on if we agree that this is the fundament, one of the fundamental rules of the format, which I believe it is because I've been told that, hey, this is what for, the modern format is supposed to be, then I feel very strongly there are a number of cards that are just not okay. Again, if we get rid of this rule, I think it's perfectly fine that a bunch right, of these cards... we're going will... with this rule. So what are exactly. we going to get rid of? Uh, first and foremost, ban cards that don't... That break the fundamental rule of magic. That is, my cards cost mana. Right. So we talked about Lotus Bloom. We talked about Simeon Spirit Guide, Mox Opal. Other cards that fall into this, I think, are zero mana cards. Mutagenic Growth, Gitaxian Probe, Gutshot. Uh, we already said Simeon Spirit Guide. Mistress Bobble, Mana Morphos. Uh, Street Wraith. I believe that all of these are cards that just... I don't understand what the hell they're doing in the Yeah, format. Street Wraith strikes me as one. That that one seems... Yeah, I don't know. That one seems very strong to me. Maybe I'm crazy. Now, uh, I'm also not arguing to ban literally every card that costs zero mana. That could be an incorrect thing to argue. Like, you could argue that Darksteel Ingot, zero mana, this is indestructible. Sure. No, no like other text. Cathar Shield, you know what I mean? Sure. 
I don't think these things need to be banned. I think when these things are actively doing something dynamic to the board state or dynamic to deck building, then I think that they need to be banned. Now, I'm not arguing to ban Ornithopter. I'm not banning to ban Mem Knight. These are cards seeing play in decks. I understand Gutshot's not seeing play in decks. I'm just saying that I don't believe that Mem Knight or Ornithopter are fundamentally warping how people build a deck. The cards that are fundamentally warping how people build their affinity decks are Mox Opal, Arcbound, Ravager, Cranial Plating. Mm-hmm. Um, would you also throw the, some of the Delve spells into that? Because we've seen Delve spells get banned because they cheat this rule where drawing three cards from one mana is not okay in Modern and tutoring seven deep for two mana is not okay in the I mean, format. I think Become a Man seems to leave. So you actually beat me to it. The next thing on the list is... Things that have sort of a negative cost. Um, we talked about this actually before we got into the show and how you build interesting and fun mechanics for standard. The sort of cost reduction mechanics, if you want to call them that, that we see fairly frequently. You see Convoke. Um, we saw Delve. Emerge. Emerge. You see some of these probably once per block. They're usually very safe with these in terms of we're not going to overload these because if you overload the format with these, cards just don't function for what their mana costs are. It's the same reason why you don't print cards that just say draw 10 cards on them for X mana because we're trading (laughs) mana for cards. If I can then trade cards for mana, I sort of break the whole cycle and we end up where Talarian Academy with Memory Jar sort of ended up where you... No, nothing mattered. There were too many engine pieces created where you have a fundamental of, I have the access of mana, I have the access of cards in my hand, and if I can convert one of those resources back to the other, you're you're probably fine. But if I can convert two resources to a third resource, everything's completely and utterly broken. Um, so cards that do this are the Delve cards, Tassiger, Gurmag Angler, Become Immense. I believe that those are the three that you can really argue to ban because Treasure Cruise and uh, Dig Through Time are already gone. And it sounds completely and utterly absurd to ban seven mana five five. This costs six color or six generic mana less if you exile six cards in your graveyard. And obviously, you know, every variation in between. But one mana five five's kinda great. Yeah. I mean And you can get it on turn. I mean, that's not too far off from Tarmogoyf, though. Do you think Tarmogoyf needs to be banned? So no, this (laughs) is the important distinction is Tarmogoyf costs two mana. I can profitably interact with Tarmogoyf. Can yeah. I profitably interact with what Tassiger and Gurmag Angler are doing on a consistent basis? Yeah, I don't only, think I can. There's only one card in the format that can efficiently get rid of them for one man, and that's Path to Exile. Correct. I, I think what Ormogoyf does is exceptionally powerful, and it skirts the line. But at the end of the day, it's just a creature with stats. It might be a two-mana 5-6. It might be a two-mana 8-9. That, but I, that to me, like, honestly, if we're going with this rule that we're taking away all these really powerful things, I think we also need to get out, get Tarmogoyf out the window. I actually think that Tarmogoyf's power stems directly from Fetchlands more than anything else, which is completely different. Actually, that's a great point. But, Do you um, think Fetchlands need to leave? I have it on something that you can discuss and argue pretty vividly that is, hey, Fetchlands need to go. Uh, they're, I agree they, with that, actually. So they, they don't, increase the consistently level, consistency level of the format, which homogenizes gameplay, makes games play out way too similarly to the last game, and they sort of allow these things that are kind of pretty stupid. I mean, have you seen Death Shadow? What would Death Shadow do without a fetch land? If Death Shadow didn't have fetch lands, the deck would not be playable. That's true, actually. I, I think if you ban 
what's it called? Uh, Fetchlands, then cards like Jumbo get a lot healthier. Also, you know, with Frank and I were talking about this, there are so many great lands out there that like aren't seen play because they're just lesser good than a fetch land is but like, yeah like the scry lands are so cool and they're only used in one deck in any format now i mean there's buddy <laughs> lands there's fe- there's uh there's uh filter lands you know yeah. there's fast lands there's shock lands there there's so many good there's triad lands if you really want to yeah, go the deep. tri lands like yep. i mean they're not horrible like no i mean if you really need them they're there for you like, like yeah like, one of my favorite experiences, I think, in the format was fairly early on, but playing against Merfolk and realizing that Merfolk literally played these islands that weren't islands, like a Boro Palace in the Sky, yeah. to play around things like Choke and Boil. Yeah. They literally put these cards in their deck because cards like Choke and Boil exist, and they're these lands that actually have some amount of play to them. They're actual uses in the format for them, other than I'm playing around Choke and Boil. Right, yeah. And... I would personally like to see more of that happening. Like, if the format had more Muta Vaults in it, I think it would be a better place. Yeah. So what else is on your ban list before we move on to... Uh, Cards that prison people is my sort of broad topic. These are cards that just don't allow you to play the game of Magic. Chalice of the Void, Blood Moon, Ensnaring Bridge, Choke, Boil, Boom Bust. Um, these, These are cards that are just... I mean... Obviously, I'm somewhat biased in that it sucks when you I get lose. choked and I get boiled. <laughs> yeah. But I also don't want people to sit down at a table for their first modern tournament and their opponent goes, play a land, Simeon Spirit Guide, Pyretic Ritual, Blood Moon, you go. Yeah, oh, guess that's what? not fun. Yeah. My, my literal first match of Legacy was my opponent goes, turn one, play a land, play Grim Monolith, Tap my Grim Monolith for mana, exile Simeon Spirit Guide, put Blood Moon on the stack. I asked him, what does that card do? Because it was in Russia. He oh. said, your lands only tap for red. I'm like, oh, I'm dead. All of my lands in my deck were non-basics. I was playing Grixis Del- or I was playing Rug Delver. Yeah, I'm familiar with that too. When I played Legacy, I played Shardless Bug, and uh, yeah, none of my lands would tap for mana against Blood Moon. Right, and in Legacy, I think that is a perfectly fine thing to happen. Yeah, you sort of signed up for that when you're playing Legacy. I they, agree. All 23 years of Magic are legal, and therefore some degenerate crazy things are going to happen. Yep. You you agree to that with, I can put degenerate and crazy cards in my deck. Correct. With, with Modern, we haven't determined if that's legal. The operations that we're operating under here with this list, that's not okay. Right. Well, guess what then? Blood Moons, you're not okay. Ensnaring Bridge, you're not okay. Cards that take away steps of the games from players, those are not okay. Uh, Chalice of the Void, another card, not okay. Um, I would have Mental Mist up on this list if it weren't already banned. Yeah. <laughs> not oh, only yeah. that, it costs Phyrexian mana too, so it's oh, yeah. banned it, it for multiple banned on... reasons. Exactly. What else is on your list? Um, so after that, there's not really that much. I think there are cards that you could sort of ag- uh, like aggregate for power concerns mm-hmm. and i'm perfectly happy to do that cards like valakut the tron lands cloud post which is already gone um some sort of pieces from the dredge deck whether or not it's the chaos or an enablers either your prized amalgams blood ghasts or your golgari grape trolls stinkweed imps mm-hmm. um i think either of those are on the table uh manamorphos is a card i have on my list of this is a card that just doesn't really cost any mana mm-hmm the thing is, uh, I also have the packs on the list where I think yes. one of the 
I think one of the things that you should sort of make a fundamental rule of modern is if somebody taps all of their lands and has no mana at their access... They can't do that, anything. That should be a calming moment for a player. Right now in modern, everything's just super tense. You can have no lands untapped, and you could just die at any second. That's a fucking... <laughs> it's a terrifying experience. Yeah. You're sitting there on the edge of your seat. You're crinkling your toes in your shoes. You're just praying not to die. Your opponent has no lands untapped. You might get to untap and play your awesome three or four minutes. So... Well. And your dad. Here's a question, and you haven't mentioned this. It kind of skirts these rules, and I don't know where I stand, but a lot of people say Aether Vial falls into that category. How do you feel about that? Yes, Aether Vial is a card that I have on the list that I have not said before. Thank you for bringing that one up. That's another card that just sort of breaks a fundamental rule of your cards cost mana. This card just puts cards straight into the battlefield. I mean, without Aether Vial, I don't think Merfolk would be a deck, which I think is unfortunate. I believe Merfolk's good for the format. Yeah. I also think that the sort of five-color humans decks that Aether Vial brings up, Slivers, uh, Hate Bears, I believe that all these decks are actually actively good for the format. Eternal Command. Yeah, again, I think that these decks, while they are linear in nature and they can do some unfair things... I think the unfair thing that they're doing in the format is so mundane relative to the other things that other decks are doing Right. that, again, I don't think the linear decks are the problem, so I don't think that these decks are the problem. If but, you want to do this thing, good yeah. on you. But I believe that in a, in a world where we're trying to obey the turn four you know, rule and we're trying to follow these rules that our cards need to cost mana, uh, cards that you know don't actually cost the mana cost in their upper right-hand corner, you know, delve spells, Aether Vial is going to break this. I think Aether Vial has to go. And of course, once you get rid of a lot of the other stuff on your list, then maybe Aether Vial seems like something that's just patently unfair when you get rid of all the free spells and delve spells, etc. Exactly. Like, once you get to this point, I don't want the format to become, oh, look, it's blue-white control versus blue-black control. Like, I don't want the format to just turn into a bunch of freaking stupid combo decks. Like, there's a reason why Birthing Pod would still be banned in this world. Mm-hmm. Birthing Pod just fundamentally says, okay, if you can't interact at instant speed for one mana against my cards that are all just generating card advantage and going to infinite combo you, I don't think that's an okay world to live in either. Mm-hmm. So, what about, do, do you draw a line at any point in this list on just soul power level? Like, do you think lightning bolt is too good? So, okay, that that's an interesting point you bring up. I think that the cards that you shouldn't be banning on power level should be purely reactive interactive elements again if they are conditional reactive elements i believe that they are fine yeah i believe if you printed a card that was one mana kill target permanent this card's just absurd but if you print one mana kill target permanent that's a card that needs to get banned because that card does too much and too many of the games come down to how many copies of this card did player a versus player b draw Mm -hmm. lightning bolt has points in the game where it doesn't actually do anything it got to the point where I didn't play Grixis for Grand Prix Indianapolis so about a month back because I thought Lightning Bolt was a bad card. Grim yeah. Flare was always a 4-4. Tarmogoyf was always bigger than a 3-4. Uh, or sorry, a 2-3. Three, uh, three. Yeah. What about stuff like Snapcaster Mage? Yeah, I was going to ask about other fair cards like Snapcaster and even stuff like Goblin Guide. Um... Right. So I mean, is Goblin we... Guide really fair? I think he is. He's a one-man of 2-2 haste. He draws you cards. Uh, I, I would be more, okay. <laughs> I would be more likely to argue that something like Eidolon that prevents you from playing the game is the more unfair card in the deck. Sure. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, I think I 
I would start with sort of this operating system. Yeah, go for it. And Eidolon of the Great Revel, Snapcaster Mage, Tarmogoyf, they don't fundamentally break any of the rules of they're prisoning people, they're not paying their mana costs for their cards, they're allowing you to cheat the mana system by gaining extra mana. I don't believe they fall into any of those three. I think that uh, Eidolon is the closest contender, and I do believe that Burn would be the best deck just starting out under this sort of operating... Well, not if we ban Fetchlands, though. If we ban Fetchlands, they lose the power to play all these consistently... They lose the power uh, to play the only like the six, they lose the power to play a three or four colored deck with eighteen lands in their deck. I think that they could still get away with playing at least two colors, potentially the third. And we I think seen... two colors would be fine. I think third they might they they may not be able to play like Wild and the Cuddle anymore. Right, and I mean we've seen Boros Burn decks do very well before. Yes. I think it would, I think it would be a very healthy format if Burn is the, the best deck. Because I believe that there are very clear ways to attack Burn. Right. If you want to beat Burn, you can put cards in your deck to beat Burn. Yeah. Do I, just... do, Sorry, go ahead. Do, do I believe Burn is the best deck right now? No. Do I believe it is a very good tier 1 deck? Yes. What about uh, the Tron lands? Do you think Tower needs to leave? Yes, I do believe that that one is sort of like Cloudpost. And that it, it doesn't really do what it says it does in terms of, oh, you tap for one mana. No, no, Cloudpost taps for four mana. No, the Tron lands tap for seven as a cohesive unit. Yeah. I believe that those would also need to go. It's sort of the reason why I think Valakut needs to go, where Valakut itself is not a problem. It's Valakut once you see all the other cards in the formatting. You sort of pinpoint what is the problem, child. It's not Scapeshift. If people want to put Scapeshift together and play... Flagstones of Charkir with their step lynxes and plated GOPs and Scythe Leopards. More power to you, man. That's super sweet. You can do that. I don't think that me triggering landfall 40 times in a turn is a busted thing. I think what's busted is I play this card, okay, you're dead. Take 21 or take 18. Yeah. Now, what about an even more radical approach? Do you think modern at any given moment needs to just, instead of saying, let's start 8th edition, let's start at another point in the timeline? Like, what if, what if, and we heard, you know, Andrew Andrew Brown posted post this as a as an alternative. Like, what if we're going with this idea that fetch lanes are too good, and we just started modern at Fate Reforged moving forward? Because that would eliminate delve. That would eliminate fetch lands. That would enable. That would eliminate Phyrexian mana, uh, and it would eliminate almost everything else that we've been talking about that's being unfair. Is that just is that just way too extreme? I think that's going a little too far. <laughs> a little. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay. Yeah, I, I believe that there's always going to be a best and a sort of a busted thing, just because at the end of the it's day, as term. exactly at the end of the day, we the players are going to determine what is the quote unquote most powerful or busted or broken thing that's out there. Mm-hmm. More often than not, it is going to be one of these cost reduction mechanics that we're going to end up complaining about. Sure, like you Elder know. Deep Fiend might become the next big thing. Exactly, Elder Deep Fiend and Emrakul might become just the busted thing on the block. Is that okay? I mean, at the end of the day, I think if someone's spending four mana and sacrificing a creature or three mana and sacrificing a creature, I mean, I think that's perfectly fine for what Modern's doing. But at that point, Modern is a different world. It's a different format. It has different goals set in mind. Um, I do believe that moving the ban list from 8th edition to some more recent set is something we could consider. But at that point, I think we're questioning whether or not what it is to be an eternal format. It's sort of set up yeah. with this idea of these cards aren't supposed to rotate out. The only way we get rid of them is we ban them. Right. Now, we can just ban 8th edition. 
but that's just essentially what a rotation is. Yeah. Right. I, I personally would vote in favor of that, mostly because I think the only thing that 8th slash ninth edition bring to the format are these cards that don't allow you to play Magic, your Blood Moons, your Boils, your Chokes. Yeah. And I don't believe those cards are, you know, healthy and or fun for players to interact with. Right. So I would, I would personally vote that those sets don't need to be there. But that's coming from sort of developing the format rather than they've designed the format as an eternal format. I think that fundamentally breaks that rule, and that's why you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. So I actually I, I agree with a lot of your thinking about what should and shouldn't be in the format. Oh, it sounded like... <laughs> was that... Frank, it sounded like you were going to say something else. Yeah, sorry. Gaston and I were waiting for you to... Sorry, examine. sorry. Uh, man, I just had you waiting with bated breath. No, um... <laughs> I guess, like, my, my thought is, like... Yeah, so... I agree with what you're saying. <laughs> I guess what I'm getting at is I do think that... I mean, what Andrew said is plausible, but from a certain standpoint, like I that's think that's so unfair to the people no, who I mean, I think it's true have invested if, in modern. If not, because no, right now the modern form that we're descri- this describing has two rules to it, which is one, it's eternal, and two, it's it's upholding the turn four, and I guess it's the third rule, which is like we want to uphold the inherent rules of Magic: The Gathering, which say yeah. the most important one, you got to pay for your spells. Right. So in, in this world where we've decided that those things are gone, like what does the format actually look like? What actually happens in a game of magic? You sit down with whatever, like what decks actually sit, you can sit down and feel like this is powerful. Like you mentioned burn is one that would probably benefit because it doesn't really break a lot of the fundamental rules, but what are some other things that might still be around and still be powerful? So yeah, if we sort of made all of these rules into a reality, my expectation is things like Zoo and Burn would be very powerful. You would have decks like Black, Green, slash Red, Black, slash maybe if you can get all the way to a Jund mana base. Um, assuming we brought back Deathrite Shaman off the ban list, again, I, I would be in favor of that, especially if there's no fetch lands. Oh, yeah, if there's no fetch lands, Deathrite just... Like, Deathrite right? Shaman just... Yeah, she's just whatever. Like, yeah, you have to play Evolving Wilds to get value out of it if you're getting rid of Fetchlands. No, we banned all Fetchlands, including Evolving Wilds. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we leave Terramorphic Expanse. That one's yeah, fine. Yeah, that one's fine. <laughs> that, yeah. that one's totally fine. Warp Landscape, you can play that. <laughs> Jund Panorama. Um, yeah, I, I think something in the Jund Shard would be very powerful, very strong. Um, so effectively, modern stays the same. We just get rid of the, the bullshit linear decks. <laughs> I, I mean, that's yeah. sort of the absurdity with this. Is I think you would lose things. I don't even know if you would lose Infect. I think Infect would not be very good. I but think Infect would be much worse without Become a Mance and Getaxian Probe. Well, not only yeah. that, if we're banning Fetchlands, they can't even play the Landfall spell anymore. So now they're lo- now they might go back to the days where they played actual Giant Growth. Uh, is that the worst? Thing Actually, ever? I forgot. You also get rid of Apostle's Blessing if you're getting rid of Phyrexian mana. So, well, yeah, you play Dispel, maybe Mutagenic Girls. Yeah, they they already play one or two copies of the spell. Usually, they can just it, add the more copies. Get considerably worse, but the whole format would get considerably worse. I mean, but, Kaladesh is also giving them one mana plus two plus two hexproof for a single green mana. This is true, and Ooh, they used yeah. to play the plus one plus one hexproof in the past. Correct. I mean, I think you could still play Groundswell. I mean, it's just much more similar to original Zendikar in how do I actually play this land? 
True. Do I run out and, my and it, it becomes closer to something like Metafault Croza where it becomes more conditional. Absolutely. Cool. So I guess last question is, you, you're a pro player. You've been on the pro circuit for a while now. Do you think modern, if we did these reinventions to it, can be a sustainable competitive format? Or is it... Is, is it too late? Too late for that? And should it be focused more on standard and selling new cards? So there's multiple questions that I'll, there's I'll answer. There's a lot the, of questions. Here. I'll answer the first one. The first one being, could this be a pro tour format? If we end up taking a much more aggressive stance on the ban list, yes, this becomes a pro, a pro tour format again. On what basis? Like, why do you say yes so confidently? So it's on the basis of it's highly developed and designed towards promoting the gameplay. The gameplay being much more the dynamic feature and promoting what is the you know the best players, the best decks. And promoting the, skill and talent level. Sure, and I'm not saying that Modern doesn't currently do that. I, I believe that there are huge skills in Modern, and one of them is actually just choosing a deck. More <laughs> than I, I believe that is one of the least valued skills in Magic is actually the ability to make good deck choices. Yeah, Son and I have actually talked about that quite a bit. Yeah. yeah, I suck at deck selection. It's my biggest weakness as a constructive player. But <laughs> I mean, listening to all three of us here, I think we'll all three say that we're not fantastic at it. You can go ask most pro players, and most pro players will say that they are not excellent at deck selection. And when they leave a tournament, if you don't win the tournament, usually you're like, crap, could have played that deck. Played yeah. the wrong deck, right. Played the wrong deck, yeah. So I do believe that it would become much more about the actual in-game play instead of, crap, I played the wrong deck for this field. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. I, would, I would believe it would be much better for a Pro Tour format if you're willing to take a hard stance on the bans. Yeah. That being said, is that what the Pro Tour is? So this is something that I do regularly with my job of trying to sort of promote tournaments. Like, what... What is the tournament actually doing from, for someone behind the scenes? At the end of the day, it's a marketing expense. Mm -hmm. Wizards puts on Pro Tours not because they're generous and they want to give away $250,000 to these crazy hooligans that will fly around to their tournaments all around the world. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, magic's super fun. No, at the end of the day, they're promoting their cards. At the end of the day, you're watching these highly talented players playing the same cards that you can at your kitchen table at your local card store with your friends at 4.45 in the morning on a Tuesday when you have work or school or what have you because it's a hell of a game. It's so, super fun. Quick sidebar. Um, limited and limited obviously test oh, deck Oh, God, building. we're not getting into we're not, this. We're not going down there, but standard, which obviously is at every Pro Tour, that even though teams spend a lot of time investing into deck selection, it seems that most of the time you can do well if you're playing like one of maybe five or six different decks and that like there isn't a huge like error like we totally messed up. Like that doesn't happen that often, right? Yes, I would say that there are formats where it is correct to just play the best deck, but more often than not, especially with how well-balanced standard is, it's very hard to get a significant edge unless you're just everyone else at the tournament is just playing a quote-unquote bad deck. Yeah. To gain a significant enough edge where somebody just picked a deck that was too bad for the tournament. If your deck is well-refined and sort of a well-oiled machine at doing what it is, your deck's going to be fine for a Pro Tour. I know personally for myself, it is something that I've done very poorly the last three Pro Tours. 
and it's why I'm gold and probably not platinum, is that I didn't choose a deck early enough. I am someone that needs a ton of reps with my deck, and I just need to know the things in and out. I did very well at my first Pro Tour last season because I picked the deck a week, almost a week ahead of time and tried to convince everyone else on my team to play this red-green landfall deck at the Pro Tour. Oh, yeah, at the that end deck of the, was great. At the end of the day, do I believe that was the best deck? No. Was it the best deck for me? Yes. The yeah. reason why it was the best deck is I pinpointed early that this was a powerful deck, thanks to Jerry Thompson's you know, great deck building to give us basically the first list when I was working with him. And then I just sort of ground out finding the most refined list that I could. Uh, that is, you know, what deck selection is at a standard tournament. A yeah. lot of what standard is, is choose a deck that you know that you will play well and play that deck to perfection. And I guess my, my unsaid question there is that's what I, like, when you were talking about modern not being that, I feel like if we went by these rules, modern could be that. And then, you know. It could be. We would have to monitor monitor that ban list much more you know, severely to make sure things aren't out of control. Like I would probably guess ancestral visions is another card that we need to go back on the ban list. Uh, you could get to the point where something as silly as gifts ungiven might be broken. I, I don't really know. We would have to like Liliana the veil might be too good. We would have to see. Yeah. I think there are a number of things that could get out of line. I don't know if there's anything that would be out of line in sort of my, you know, blanket statement. If we took all the cards off that sort of violate the three rules that we came up with, yeah. I don't really think that anything is, oh my god, the sky is falling, it's broken. Thoughtseize is probably too good, right? Thought Thoughtseize is another one that skirts the line of, is this okay? Eh, questionable. Yeah, I guess on, when you asked, you asked a two-part question, like, do you think that, um, do you think that it could be approachable? What was the second part of the question? Because I don't think we got to that. I don't know, point. but we definitely changed enough, and I, I know, know we're we definitely running out of time. I know. So. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> sad because it was a good question. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think I think your answer and talks on approach right now probably were sufficient enough to, to answer the question of like, can modern be reinstigated as a competitive format? Uh, and, and I think we touched on that enough. Before we wrap up, though, Corey, is there any final thoughts that you want to offer listeners out there and your opinions on the modern format, both at either as is or as it could be? Um, I think one of the best points I read on Twitter probably a week and a half, two weeks ago, is rather than bitch about modern and just complain and say this is stupid and this sucks, sure, we had some complaints tonight. We, we have our own thoughts and opinions on what could be done to improve the format. But if you want to play what is the current modern format as best you can, pick a deck that is pretty strong. I mean, if you have to ask some of the pros, ask your friends, you know, read some articles, watch some videos from the best players online that you can, do that. But pick a good deck and learn how to play that good deck to perfection. I think that is how you're going to get better at modern. I, I think at this point it is a format where you're not incentivized to try to find a new thing. So don't try to do a new thing if you really want to improve at modern. You're really going to improve by learning the interactions and learning a deck. Mm -hmm. And I think what we said, I think one of the most valuable things that was learned today, both for everybody involved, is that the notion of relevant of uh, relativity when it comes to balancing and and the question of even if all these things were banned, there's still going to be a deck that's most likely, more often than not, going to be more powerful that people are going to bitch that needs to get banned, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, balancing is such a tricky subject, especially when new cards are being printed. Oh, by the way, uh, Eldrassi Temple probably needs to get banned too, right? Like that card's busted. 
Yes, that would that would be on my list. It def- I didn't it write it down, but similar rules. Yeah, Jesse definitely needs to get out of here. Uh, but anyway, before we keep uh, ranting about modern, I think we did a really good job at still doing a healthy discussion. Um, so I'm good to wrap it up there, Frank. Anything no, yeah, I that? think that this was super productive, and like I'm glad that we were able to have a conversation where we talked about solutions to what a lot of people are describing as problems, but. Very few times do people actually go to the depths and describe these are the specific things that are, quote, unfair about the modern format. And I think it's good to actually have that in mind for when you're trying to convince wizards or or convince the community in general what is actually unfair about the modern format. And I'm glad we did that. Awesome. Well, if you out there have any questions that you want to ask myself, Frank, or Corey, feel free to hit us up on social media. If you have any opinions on whether or not Fetchland should be banned or anything else that we talked about may be too ludicrous, let us know why we're wrong. We very well could be. So, <laughs> that being said, thank you so much, Corey, for coming to the show. Love having you. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Can't wait to be back another time. <laughs> what a presumptuous guy. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're always invited. But anyhow, I'm Gaston. I'm Frank. And we're on the bubble.